All right, so what we're going to talk about is what is the feeling inside of our body that we are experiencing that we typically call fear or anxiety? Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to imagine. Imagine that every time I came around you, be, without you knowing it, I had a bucket of dead fish or a bucket of crap, and it stunk really bad. But I don't tell you that I have this bucket. So every time I come around you, I hide the bucket, and you just think, man, Angela, every time Angela comes around, she stinks. She stinks like fish and crap. But I don't let you know that it's really the bucket that I've hidden in wherever we are, and you just assume that I smell like that. So then after a while, whenever I come around, you're not going to want to be around me because you're going to associate the smell with me. And you're going to think, Angela stinks. Agreed? All right, now, it's the same way with fear. Fear comes into your presence. It usually is going to come through a thought or a thought process or subconscious. And when that fear comes around, there is a frequency in that fear. Just like dead fish. Why does dead fish smell like, like it does? Because the molecules are aromatic. What does that mean? That means they're light. And they're so light they can bounce and float through the waves on the air. So they're, on, they're riding on the frequency, and they're emanating a frequency. And that, it'll go in your nose, and it, nothing can stop it because it's aromatic. It's like, like if I strike a guitar, and, I, and the sound, the sound's going to travel through the air and get in your ears, and you're going to perceive it. Well, there's another part of you that has a, rece a, a receptor. It's called your heart. And in the Hebrew language, in the depth of the word, there's something called the musical chord. It's not, it's not um, a whole bunch of musical chords. It's the musical chord. It's not a musical chord. So if it was a musical chord, you would have one, I have one, and she has one. But it's not like that. It's the, as, the, as like the wind. Do we have a bunch of different winds, or is the wind seen as a whole? Well, your heart is where the kingdom of God is. And that is called the musical chord. And it has a frequency. And it's affected by our subconscious brain because it's connected to the subconscious brain. In other words, you cannot have a frequency in your brain, in the amygdala, and it not be a part of your heart. And it can't be a part of your heart and not be a part of your brain because they're connected. It's like, is the heart part of your circulatory system? Yes. Is the heart made up of, of full of blood? Yes. Can you separate the two? No, you can't really. They're, they're one. They work together. One actually circulates the blood. That's its purpose. They have a relationship. Well, your, your hypothalamus and your amygdala and that part of your brain is just as important to your spirit man as your heart is to your physical body. So that part of your brain actually pumps the frequency of whatever information is in it. So if the information is fear of failure, it's going to pump that. And so that is a lie. Now when you have a lie inside of you, the kingdom of God is going to resist that lie. Why? Because the kingdom of God is in you. And truth is in the kingdom of God. So what happens is the lie begins to manifest through familiarity, uh, smells, 
Uh, it could be daylight. <coughs> waking up could be a familiarity of you waking up into, oh my gosh, I have another day I have to face. And this day is going to be horrible or this day is going to be like it was yesterday because nothing ever changes in my life. Um, so when that happens, that frequency goes into your bloodstream, in your gut, in your belly, another frequency begins to arise. And that frequency is the frequency of truth to get your attention. It's the same exact thing that happens to your hand if your hand gets too close to the fire. Now, we don't think that our skin is the problem, do we? No, we think getting too close to the fire is the problem. So if we get too close to the fire, because the hand begins to vibrate at a certain frequency that's enough to cause pain or too much heat, that too much heat will make us retract away from the fire. The same thing is true about fear. But we have fear works like that bucket of crap or that bucket of dead fish. So we think that that rising up in our belly that doesn't feel good, we assume that is the fear. We assume that is anxiety. No, it's not. It's the pain equal to the pain on your hand because you're too close to the fire. So it's your awakening. It's your uh, caution light. It's your alarm system to let you know that you are embracing a lie as though it is the truth. You're holding on to something that is not healthy for you. It will consume you. Like if you get too close to the fire and try to hold on to it, it'll burn you. And so that's what's going on. You, we just think that because we smell that smell every time fear comes around, we think that is fear. No. When you, when you smell that smell, your body begins to hurt with the smell. Why? To repel you. So when you smell the smell of fear, your body and your gut begins to vibrate or repel. That's like the heat on your hand. Why? So you won't go into the fear. You won't believe it as true. But the problem is, it's inside of your guts. So since it's inside of your guts, you assume that it is fear. It's not. It's the evidence that fear is present through a lie. That's where fear comes from. It's always going to come from a lie. And the Bible says that when you love not the truth, I'll give you over to a strong delusion. That's your warning sign that you've been given over to a strong delusion. So it's the very moment that you could say, Father, help me. What is my delusion that I'm in right now? God, help me interpret whatever's inside of me. Show me what I'm feeling. Show me what I'm thinking. Father, show me my subconscious. That's the same scripture that says, search me, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me, any twisted way in me. In Proverbs, it says that spiders spin in king's castles. And I used to wonder, well, yeah, so what? Like, everybody knows spiders are going to be places. So what, what is Song of Solomon? I mean, what is uh, Solomon trying to tell me in the book of Proverbs about spiders spinning in a king's castle? Where does Jesus live? Inside of me. Is Jesus the king of all kings? Yes. So where is the spider spinning? inside of me. It's inside my brain. That's where the twisting happens, is in my brain. And I need the power of the Holy Ghost to reveal all truth. And how do I get that truth? How do I get the mind of the Holy Ghost? The Bible says, he who seeks the heart knows what the mind of the Holy Spirit is. So that's the key. 
the key is to begin to seek my heart. Now, what if, like in the beginning when I said, if I every time I walked in, I hit a bucket of crap or I hit a bucket of dead fish and you didn't know it, what if you had the courage to say to me when I came into your presence, Angela, what is that smell? And I said, oh, that's that bucket of fish I brought in. Or that's that bucket of dung I brought in. And you could say, well, good, I thought it was you. But if you never have the courage to ask because you simply just think I stink, you're going to assume that that is me smelling that way. And that's what we've done with what we call anxiety or panic. We've, we've fear, which is really the lie that you're not loved. The lie that you're not accepted. The lie that, you, that you've got to do something to earn God's love. That's where fear is. The fear is not knowing you're loved. Once you begin to identify your relationship with God, your relationship with the Holy Spirit, your relationship with Jesus, and you identify it through sorrow and suffering, just like in Hebrews, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. Now, he said, whatever you saw me do, you do and teach others to do. Well, he he walked down a pathway of sorrow and suffering after the order of Melchizedek, and he didn't miss the mark thereof. So we teach each other, oh, you don't have to suffer. Jesus suffered for you. Well, then what is it that he did we're supposed to do and, and teach others to do? He suffered is what he did. The Bible says that he was acquainted with grief. So we teach each other not to grieve. Even science knows that that's detrimental to your body. But for some reason, us as Christians, we take scripture and we, we grab and pick the scripture out to, in, in an attempt to overcome fear, in an attempt to destroy fear, in an attempt to make ourselves feel better, and we enter into a delusion. Why? Because we're loving not the truth. What's the truth? The truth is find out why you're afraid. Find out what's really going on rather than just rebuking it. And you actually don't get rid of fear by getting rid of fear. You get rid of fear by knowing you are loved. Perfect love casts out all fear, not Christians. God is perfect love. I'm not. So perfect love is what does it. So people say, well, Angela, how am I going to get rid of my fear? I'm like, we're not going to focus on getting rid of your fear. We're going to focus on showing you how much you're loved. Once you see the love of the Father, once you see the love of Jesus, once you see the love of the Holy Spirit, guess what happens to fear? It dissipates like dust. It falls apart just like when you walk into a room. You never, I guarantee you, you've never taken any object whatsoever and scooped the darkness out before you turn the light on. Can you imagine if I walked into your house and I brought with me a ladle and a bucket and I said, oh wait, don't turn the light on yet. Let's get all the darkness out first. Let's just get rid of darkness first, and then we'll turn the light off. You'd be like, uh, no, Angela, we're not doing that. Here, watch. And you turn the light on, and then I'm like, oh, my gosh, how did you do that? That's a miracle. I'm like, and you say, no, Angela, that's light. That's what light does. Light dispels darkness. And listen to the word spell. S-P-E-L-L, -L, to dispel darkness. What does darkness mean? It means the absence of light. In Isaiah 45, 7, the Bible says that God formed light and created darkness. 
if you study that, what it, what it actually is saying is God squeezes out the light and he feeds you darkness. Now, those of you who've heard my podcast, you're going to hear this probably almost on every message I teach. Why? Because it's very difficult for people to get it. And everywhere I go, I can say it. And they're like, tell me that again. So I say it all the time. What does it mean to squeeze out the light? Look at your pupils. Your pupils are made in a way that there's too much light. They will actually contract and they will automatically squeeze out the light. Why? Too much light makes you blind. You can't see. It actually hurts. So the, the eyes are made in such a way that God created them in his own likeness and image that it squeezes out the light and the earth, the way that it's made, feeds you darkness. How does it feed me darkness? Through color and dimension. Without shadows, there would be no dimension. If I put so much light in this kitchen right now, I could open, if I could just shine floodlights like at a, like what you would see at an airport in this room, even though this room is full of dimension, could you see it? No, you could not. That light would overpower and your pupils would, would almost like, they would try to just, you would actually shut your eyeballs. You would shut your eyelids and you would try to get out that light. And even that wouldn't work. You'd still have some light go through your skin and get into your eyes and you would want to cover your eyes with your hands. It would be too painful. So you'd say, get rid of that light. I can't see. But nobody wants to say that spiritually. Get rid of some light so I could see. But God, the Bible says God feeds us darkness. Now, some people don't want to hear that because they think I mean devil or satanic or witchcraft. Really? I'm going to teach you about perfect love and I want to feed you witchcraft? That's ridiculous. That's just stupid. No, I want to feed you shadow. Why? Because shadow is what gets rid of too much light so that you can see. The Bible says that God hides us in the shadow of his wing. God creates a tree to bring shadow. He gives a house to bring shade. But we automatically think of it as something wicked. Just like when you wake up in the morning and you feel that feeling in your gut, you automatically think that's the devil or that's wicked or that's fear. No, honey, it's not. It's pain. Why? Because pain is designed to wake you up. It's designed to, to bring you into truth. And so God created you in such a way that if the first generation don't wake up and the second one don't and the third and the fourth and the fifth, eventually there'll come along a generation that will awaken. Rise and shine, my beloved, for your light has come. So what does that mean? That means she was asleep. She couldn't see God loved her. She couldn't see that her lover was there and loved her with all of himself. As a matter of fact, if you go study Song of Solomon, she goes through these stages of believing he loves her, but not fully. And she can't go away with him to go leap on the mountaintops. Why? Because she still has some fears. Fear of failure or fear of whatever. But eventually, love so permeates her. She's so smitten by him calling her my darling, my fair one. She says, I'm dark. And he says, yes, but lovely. He just keeps loving her and keeps loving her and keeps loving her until what? She's ab she abandons everything about what she was afraid of before. And she says, come into the garden of my mother. So what is the mother? What does that mean? It means that he, she's inviting her, him into the inside of her. The mother means the inside part, the Eve part. And so that's where God's inviting you in. He's saying, can you come in, into the garden? 
come into the inside part. And the word Eve and evening are very, they're the same word. It, ba it basically means come into the place where you cannot see and I will be your eyes. Come into the place where you cannot understand and I'll be your understanding. I'll give you the spirit of understanding, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of truth, the spirit of knowledge. See, it's God's spirit that gives you those things, not your own. In, the, in Genesis, when God created Adam, it said that he breathed the breath of life into Adam and Adam became a living soul. It doesn't say that Adam received a living soul. It says Adam became a living soul. What does living soul mean? It means one who receives. It means one who is empty, waiting to be filled. It's a, he became the place where God would, fit, would, would deposit himself. Then when Christ came into being in the flesh, the Bible says that he, the second Adam, is a life-giving spirit. So what does that mean? That means he's the one that fills us, the living soul. So those two become one. The living soul, the one who is in need, becomes one with the one who provides all things. So what does he provide? Knowledge, wisdom, understanding, truth. All the seven spirits of God manifest in us through Christ. Why? Because we have now seen generation after generation, all the attempts at keeping the law, all the attempts at being good, all the attempts at trying to do it the way that's perfect, including, uh, we know we have people that exercise perfect, eat perfect, go to church perfect, read their Bible perfect, give tithes perfect, give alms perfect, fast, pray, uh, worship, praise, uh, sing, lay prostrate, beg, cry, all these things. And still with very little success in what God said we would walk in, which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, and life and life more abundantly. I have found very few people that have found the ability to walk in that. This is the way. Walk ye in it. Whatever you saw me do, you do and teach others to do. So what do I do? I teach you how to go into sorrow and suffering. Why? It's not going to destroy you. It's not going to get on you. It's not going to stain you. It's not going to plague you. It's not going to attack you. It's not going to do any of those things. What it's going to do is it's going to awaken you. And something will be birthed inside of you. What is it that's birthed? Truth. Truth is what you'll discover through that sorrow and suffering and your piercing. And you won't miss the mark thereof. You won't misunderstand it whenever you go into it on purpose. Why? Because you go into it seeking the kingdom. Where's the kingdom? In my heart, where all that sorrow and suffering is. And I go in and I say, Father, where were you when this happened? Where were you when that happened? Father, I never felt your love growing up. Or Father, I felt rejected. Or Father, I felt abandoned. Or Father, I felt lonely. Where were you? So when you go into those places and you ask, Holy Spirit, please show me where were you, God, the one who loves me when I was suffering, and God reveals that to you, then at that moment, your hypothalamus begins to pump just so fast. You can even feel your heart rate change. You can feel your breathing change. You can feel the temper of your skin change. Some people actually feel like a warm, uh, what they would call a honey love. They feel uh, the dopamines in the brain just begin to, just to flood the brain. 
and they begin to feel love and forgiveness spontaneously. Well, when you feel that because truth has come, it changes every single cell in your body. Every part of you changes. So all the attempts that you did to change yourself that failed, that will never work. Why? Because they're a work of your hands. They are a work of your decision making. They're a work of you. I choose to do good, which don't work, by the way. But all that choosing that you did, you realize that your best is as filthy rags and you couldn't do it no matter how hard you tried. And I have people say, yeah, but, but, it, but it is free. I said, okay, you, you tell me you eat up with fear. Go ahead and choose right now in the name of Jesus. And I'll agree with you. We'll, we'll lay hands on you. We'll touch. And we'll just agree for perfect love to just overwhelm you right now. And you will be free of all fear. Go ahead. Let's do that now in the name of Jesus. Let's just choose it. And they go, well, I can't. I, like, well, I thought you said your, your chooser worked. I thought you said you, were, you had a free will. Do you not will to be free? Well, yeah, I do. Do you not will to know the, the perfect love of God? Yes, I do. Well, then just choose it and will it. And they go, I can't. I'm like, now that's the truth. Why? Because you're without form and void. You're a living soul. You're not a life-giving spirit. So when you put off the living soul, what does that mean, the old man? You put off relying in it. You put off trusting in that. And you say, Jesus, I can do nothing, but if you will come in me and do it and fill all those voids in me, I will be the void and you will be the filler and we shall be one. And then that spirit of truth begins to manifest. And as the spirit of truth begins to manifest, everything in your body, your entire cellular level, all the way down to the marrow, gets in it what's called ligands and frequency because they open up. And you'll probably cry, you may shake, you may tremble, um, some people simply sigh, a sigh of relief. <sighs> but most people do weep and tremble. It's okay if you don't. It's okay if you do. It doesn't matter. What matters is, can you see the truth of God loving you? And can you feel it? When you feel it and when you see it, it actually transforms your brain. And your brain can never go back to being the same. So I'm going to give another example just to finish this little um, clip up. Um, I worked with a man who was a Vietnam vet who had multiple memories that tormented him every single day for 40 years. He had all types of therapy, all types of medications, all kinds of things that the doctors did, was a Christian, went to church, did all sorts of things to be healed, and nothing worked. When I went to him... Uh, this was a year ago at the time I'm taping this uh, podcast or um, recording this podcast. Um, it, this actually makes a one-year anniversary. I went there last year. I just got back from the same community and met with him and his wife again. He absolutely has zero terror and fear from Vietnam. None. He can get on a helicopter and actually did. He can hear helicopters land and no trauma. I can take him back into every single memory one after the other after the other, and he absolutely has zero torment and fear. He will begin to weep, but his weeping is gratitude. His weeping is, Jesus never left me nor forsook me. Why? Because we went in through his memories into the pain. We didn't just go into the memory. We did not just say, I'm going to feel the feelings. No, we went into the feelings on purpose. Why? So the hypothalamus would flood his body with the ligands and the frequency of, God, where are you? How can you let this happen on earth where brothers are killing brothers? God, look at me. 
I'm no longer lovable. Because when a man goes to battle and he does what a, what a man does in war, they didn't, when they have to come home, they wished oftentimes that they would have died on the battlefield because it would have possibly been easier to not live with themselves if they would just go ahead and die. And so they have to face their humanity. When they face their humanity and they can still see God loves them through supernatural experience, because no man can reveal God's love, only God reveals it. But when they see that God loved them, and like, like this man did, he saw the love of God, it washed over him, through him like a river. In him, through him, on him, the presence of God just began to tremble and shake him and set him free from all the lies. Now, where did the lies come in? They came in through the facts, the facts of war. Those facts, you can't lie to your body and say they didn't happen. So how do we, what do we do? We, we face the facts. That's the truth. When we face the facts that is true, we then look for the rest of the truth. What is the rest of the truth? God, where were you? Where were you when I was on the battlefield? And where are you now? Now that I've done all these terrible things, is it possible for you to love me? Well, according to a human mind, it's not possible. When a human looks at his own nature and sees himself, he realizes I'm not lovable according to my own standard. So when you're not lovable according to your own standard, it's you understand why God wouldn't love you. But what, what happens is you begin to awaken that God's love is not like man's love. And even though man may hate us and we may hate ourselves, God doesn't hate us. God loves even his enemies. God reigns on the just and the unjust. And so when we see that God loves us in spite of ourselves, that's believe in the impossible. The same thing that, that Abraham did. The Bible says that it was accounted or imputed unto Abraham righteousness because he believed the impossible. So what happens is when we who now know that we're not lovable because we're a failure, because we can't measure up, because we can't get it right, because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. When we see that, and at the same time, we see that God loves us. Something happens and it transforms us, literally at the cellular level. And everything about us becomes different. And that's what happened to my Vietnam vet. When he would go into his memories, he actually would have the smell of burning flesh in his nostrils. When we went into the memory, and again, I could only go so far and I had to leave him in that by himself, so to speak, meaning... I was still there present holding his hand, um, and, but only he, only he has the fullness of his memory. Only he was given bits and pieces. So he walks into that place, and him and Christ meet face to face, and Christ shows him the things that I can't show him. Christ shows him the things that he can't show himself. And when that occurred, that which was unlovely saw that he was loved. And when he saw that he was loved, the smell of burning flesh turned into the smell of flowers. For 40 years, he could not smell anything but burning flesh. And now, every time he goes into one of those memories, he smells the flowers. He even told me, he said, sometimes I go there just to smell the flowers because now I know it's a garden. What used to be a battlefield is now a garden. I've never heard veterans talk like that until after I bring them through their sorrow and suffering, till after I bring them through their pain. What? After the order of Melchizedek, just like it talks about in Hebrews, when Jesus suffered in every sorrow and piercing and did not miss the mark. What is that word mark? Truth. 
calculation, monument, flag, sign, wonder, and miracle. That's what it means. And so as I'm working with you, and you've believed your whole life that when you feel these feelings, that it is fear, it is anxiety, what I'm showing you is, no, it's, the, it's the, your body's response to fear and anxiety. It's your body's response, just like your hand responds to a fire. And so as I coach you, and I coach you to go into that feeling, your knees might buckle, you might fall on the floor and cry. You, it doesn't matter. What, you, you might crawl up in a, in a ball in the bed. and begin, It doesn't matter how your body responds. What matters is that you don't run from it. And as you don't run from it, what's going to happen is truth is now manifesting. Why? Because you refuse to run from the truth. And truth will do for you what I can't do. Truth will do for you what you can't do. Truth will do for you what even the written Word of God cannot do. Angela, how is that possible? Because a lot of us read the Word of God looking, for it, looking at it for an answer, meaning we're not looking to the one that wrote it. We're looking at the Word looking for it like, like it's a math problem. And we try to find a scripture that will fix our problem. That is not relationship. That is looking for a word to fix your problem. Guess what witchcraft is? Speaking words to fix, to manipulate a situation. So we could even take the word of God and cast a spell with it and think we're doing godly things. No, we're not. We're taking words and we're trying to find something that fits our situation so we can fix it rather than saying, Father, what is this? Speak your word in me and then you speak what you heard the Holy Ghost say. We don't, we don't really do that. Sometimes we do, but more, more than not, we go, we go on a hunt in the Bible looking for something we can decree and declare because we heard it one time or somebody taught it or I had a testimony or it worked yesterday. That's yesterday's manna. God doesn't want us to live out of yesterday's manna. God wants us to live out of right now, this moment, present tense, His voice speaking into us. And what is it that's going to give us that, uh, that opportunity? Anytime we feel something in our belly moving, as, we move, as that moves inside of us, that's our um, caution light. That's our attention getter. The Bible calls God the eternal one. Listen at the word. E-turn-all. That which turns everything. He turns the oceans. He turns the universe. He turns the, um, the, the orbiting of the sun. You know, well, actually the earth orbits the sun. So everything that is turning, God is turning it. Well, inside your stomach, it turns. That's the same word as repent. But it's also the same word as to feel a feeling. So to feel a feeling is to turn. Listen to what we call it. Emotion. Motion means to turn. And God is the E-turn-all one. We have not learned about the emotions as a whole. Very few people know very much about the emotion. Now in science and in universities, they're starting to study the emotion and the effects and the chemicals and the frequencies in the body. But the, the Word of God is full of talking about emotion. I've been studying it for 30 years and I'm fully persuaded that without the emotion there is no dunamis. Without the emotion there is no power. And you can't harness your emotion no different than you can control the wind. Why? Because they're similar. They're made in each other's likeness. The wind 
you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. It, it, it's affected by the heat and the cold and the way God created it. It just moves. I don't understand all of it, but I'm sure the more if I would go study it and understand, the more I'd understand about my emotion even in that. But the word uh, to turn also means whirlwind. And so like a whirlwind in my soul, you know, it begins to spin. We all run from that because we don't know what to, else to do with it. Sometimes we'll put on praise and worship music. We'll enter into prayer. We'll start praying in tongues. Why? Because we're trying to comfort that and make it go away rather than going into it and saying, Father, what are you showing me? Holy Spirit, what are you telling me? Jesus, please give me your eyes. Give me your ears. Give me your discernment. You be my mouth. You be my head. Why? Because we're supposed to be the body. We're not supposed to be the head. But that's what we've been doing. We've been, we've been leaning into our own understanding, trying to figure out what's going on in our heart. And God said, trust me with all your heart and don't lean into your own understanding. We've done just the opposite. So that's what I'm doing is I'm coaching you and I'm teaching you how to go into the feeling and not your brain. Because your brain, you'll lean onto it if you go there. But if you go into your guts and you feel the pain or you feel whatever is inside of you and you don't trust your own thought process, then Holy Spirit, you will get the, whole, the mind of the Holy Ghost. He who seeks the heart knows what the mind of the Holy Spirit is. And so that's what we wait for. We wait for the Holy Spirit to speak. And when the Holy Spirit speaks, there's life on that word. If, and more than likely, the Holy Spirit's going to speak through Scripture. That's different than going finding a Scripture to speak. No, the Holy Spirit's going to give you that Scripture and bring all things to your remembrance. And like the wind, if, 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 a, if a seed doesn't have all the nutrients and nitrogen in the, in the soil, it's not going to grow. You can put the Word of God in you, but until God breathes on it, it's not going to manifest. If that was true, I could just say, be healed to every blind person and they would manifest healing, but they, it hasn't happened in my life yet. I've seen healings. I've seen deaf ears open, but most of the time when I see a healing, nobody's even laying hands on them. They're just getting healed because of the, the Word of God that's coming forth. It's the breathed Word of God, and that Word manifests healing, not a human being manifesting healing. And so I just get to be an observer as the Word of God comes out of my mouth, and I, and I, and I hear it come out of my mouth. Sometimes it comes out in a way I've never heard it before until that moment, but then pow, 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 you'll begin to see manifestations of miracles, signs, and wonders. Why? Because the Bible says that the heaven declares a matter, but the earth will manifest it, or, or, or the firmament. And that word firm is the same word as earth. So it'll begin to manifest in the earth or in the tangible, whatever happened in the intangible. So as we go into your, to your emotions, when you wake up and you feel in all this turning in your gut, what I'm going to teach you is how do you go into it? How does that expose the lies that you're living in? And once those lies are exposed and truth comes in, that's what sets you free. Not Angela, not you, not even a lesson that we've learned. No, it's the truth in that moment while your body is filled with emotional ligands and frequencies. Why? Because that's when all the gates in your body, all the portals, all the receptor sites on your cell walls are open, waiting for the truth to come in. And like light dispels darkness, that truth just causes all the lies to just be dispelled. And literally inside your cellular level, your whole body believes. Rather than just your brain in the frontal lobe. Your whole body. And what is the first commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That means every cell in your body. And you're not going to have it in every cell in your body if it only goes into your knowledge base 
frontal lobe food processor where you believe two plus two is four. It's got to go into the amygdala through the hypothalamus doing what it does the way God created the body and it does it for you. You don't actually do it. 